0: You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.
1: Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast number 1013. We all have an inherent bias against venturing into unknown territory. But in today's world, where innovation rules the day, we need to overcome biases that hinder new ideas and stifle creative solutions. Co-author of Outsmart Your Instincts, Beth Stores, is joining us today to share how the book that she co-authored can be used to enlighten product development teams on biases that impede innovation. Beth, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Thank you, Richard. It's great to have you on the show, and so can we start by you just giving us a brief sense for beyond being the co-author of Outsmart Your Instincts? Tell us a little bit about your professional self.
0: Sure, so I am a president of Ideas to Go. We're an innovation consulting firm. And I'm also a facilitator at Ideas to Go. I've been facilitating sessions for 10 years, helping clients come up with new ideas for products and services and really stretching their thinking in creative ways. Um, And I have a marketing background. I previously worked um, in CPG, and uh, I used to be a client of Ideas to Go.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, you liked it so much you joined the firm. So tell me... um How has what you study and what you write about, how has that changed over the 10 years you've been with Ideas to Go?
0: Well, that's an interesting question. So um, Ideas to Go has been in business for over 35 years. I think we're at 39. And we've always been in the creative problem-solving business. But, uh, you know, recently we've started really looking into behavioral science and um, cognitive biases, and we noticed uh, cognitive biases are shortcuts that the brain takes in decision making. We all have them. They're inherent in all of us. But we noticed that a lot of what we do really addresses cognitive biases that impede innovation. So... Over time, and very recently, we really started honing that, and we identified eight cognitive biases that we think really are innovation killers and decided to write the book to help people overcome those, and everything that we do in our sessions really goes after those eight cognitive biases and we're just much more overt about pointing them out and helping people understand when they're showing up and how to overcome them.
1: So, so I'm cu- I'm curious. I, I I love it they have authors here on Critical Mass Radio Show and we have one here right now in this section this segment. It's she is sorry, Beth Stores and she wrote um, co-authored Outsmart Your Instincts. What did you and your co-author what was the inspiration for saying, "Hey, there are some number, and there's a lot more than eight cognitive biases. So how, how did you figure out that was an area for you to study, research, and then write your book. I'm, I'm yes. really curious about There's that.
0: There's a, a lot more. Yeah, it's, right? it's daunting
1: how um, many there are, actually. But,
0: but we've been hearing a lot about it. We've been hearing about um, behavioral science from our con- from our clients. We've been hearing about it at conferences. We've been reading about it. And it just really um, came up came about in conversation amongst the three of us, um, Adam Hansen, Ed Harrington, and myself. And um, we when we... Picked eight, uh, I don't think it's really a magic number, but there were the eight that we felt sh- sh- pretty strongly about, um, negativity bias being what we call the uber bias, the one that kind of, <laughs> yeah. that's that's the main one that's okay. going kill innovation. And then the other seven are very strong contributors, so um, we, we just we just landed on eight in that way.
1: So, so you opened the door for a follow-up question, obviously, here on Critical Mass Radio Show, and can you for our audience link first of all maybe just briefly tell us what negativity bias means in your world and then how does why is that the uber uh killer of innovation
0: great so um negativity bias is the notion that we feel that bad is stronger than good meaning Mm. we put a lot more weight against negative things and risks and we fear loss more than we appreciate gain or the the ability to you know achieve some sort of an opportunity. And this actually is rooted in us. And if you think about cave times, so think back to cave times and you're a person who is really, really curious and you hear a rustle in the bushes and you think you're going to go check that out and see what interesting thing you might find, chances are you're going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So the other person who's sitting there going, no, no, don't check out the bushes, don't check out the bushes, they had a very nice strong negativity bias. They kept themselves safe and they passed on their DNA. So, um, so we're all the descendants of these risk-averse uh, cave, cave people. That's sort of how we like to look at it. Right. So, um, so negativity bias in today's terms is the um, t- tendency to, to first find what's wrong with an idea um, and why it's not going to work and why it's too expensive or it's, um, you know, going to take too many resources. And um, in doing that, you're basically just shutting down ideas. So negativity bias is, that's why we think it's the uber bias, because any idea that comes up is going to be shot down and there's always going to be a reason for it.
1: You know, we're, we're talking with Beth Store. She's co-author of Outsmart Your Instincts, and we're talking about the eight cognitive biases that are innovation killers in organizations. And for a while, I worked for a company where it was clear they were risk-averse because there was no downside for not taking a risk. There was no perceived downside for not taking a risk because the opportunity lost wasn't evident where if you took a chance and you were wrong, it was very clear to others in the organization that you quote-unquote failed. Absolutely. And so over time, it just hardened into a culture that... Because it was also an engineering company, which you tell me, Beth, from your work, are engineers, do they tend to have a stronger negativity bias? Is, is this more prevalent in technical people than in other types, or is it a universal?
0: it 's pretty universal, but I think it depends. Um, there are you know like r and d folks who are super creative and just really don 't enable don 't allow themselves to succumb to the negativity bias and then there are r and d folks who you know might have a marketer come to them with an idea, and their first answer is well that 's not going to work you know mm-hmm. so it really does depend on the person but I do totally get what you're saying about you know this notion of failure and i love working with companies when i hear them say that they embrace failure and they allow for failure and they look at failure as an opportunity to learn and not you know just you you screwed up
1: we're talking with beth stores talking about some of the content in her book outsmart your instincts and you know it's an easy thing to say there's no failure there's only learning but you can say one thing but it's your actions and reactions you know i lead CEO peer groups here in Southern California for middle market business owners and executives. And one of the speakers that we had come in last year was training on the Edward DeBono work and the and the different hats. And he talked about the black hat, which is, if you're familiar with the work, it is allowing you to be critical of an idea, but in a, conf- in a confined way. And that's not all you're going to do, but you're going to allow people. And the point from the instructor was, you have to give people the opportunity to say negative things or else you frustrate them in the creative process is is that something that that y- y- you write about or that you've experienced
0: so so this is how we look at it um, we so, so some people so you know the 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 notion of yes and instead of yes but so if you have an idea instead of saying yes but you say yes and yes. that can frustrate people it's It's a really great way of um, moving things forward and allowing people to, you know, put out ideas and know that they're not going to get shut down. Um, We take it a step further in our mindset, which we call forness thinking. It's a made-up word. It's grounded in the word for. And what it does is it first identifies what's working and what's good in the idea so that you don't shoot the whole idea down. If you are in judgment mode You're going to first point out what's wrong and then hope that people will start solving for it. But you want to first identify what's good because what's good about the idea can be a springboard for more ideas. And then instead of just saying yes and and moving forward, you do need to identify what the concerns were because not every idea is perfect. You just use certain language to trick your mind into problem solving so you use language like i wish or how to or how might we and by doing that it gets the other folks in the room solving well how might we do that and then you have several answers for the concern versus just saying this isn't going to work and here's why
1: one of the um one of the members in one of the groups that um that i lead talked about their culture where they're when they 're doing strategic planning, they willfully ask people to tell them what is everything you could think of that could go wrong with this idea and then they make it very playful to have fun with with the fear of all the things that could go wrong and also what he said was that really helps them to plan to mitigate the downside of an idea so uh, I, I the group thought that was a pretty interesting way to make it playful. And, and I'm wondering, you know, we have just a few minutes left here before the break, but you know, how how can a more playful approach to, to the creative process help the people in an organization to get the most out of each idea?
0: Yeah. So I think that, you know, what you were talking about could definitely work depending on what stage you're in. So if we're in idea generation stage, playfulness is really a fantastic way to um, come up with lots of ideas and make sure that you're getting multiple ideas around each opportunity area. So we use a lot of techniques. Um, For example, one of my favorite techniques is an exercise that we call get fired. And what you do is everybody comes up with an idea that is so horrible that if you were to present it to your management team, you would immediately get fired. So um, it's like illegal or immoral or inappropriate in some way or just wrong. And then you pass it to a partner and then that partner takes that idea and uses it and says, okay, what's really good about this idea? What's interesting about this idea? And uses that to come up with more ideas. Okay, what's, what are my concerns around this idea? What do I wish for? How can I improve it? How can I make it work better for us? And then... And that comes up with more ideas. But without having that little fun and really stretching, you wouldn't necessarily come up with all of the ideas that result from that kind of an exercise. And there's several of these kinds of exercises in the book that are pretty um, easy to to use okay, on we're a day-to-day
1: basis. We're going to take a break here on, and it's a short break, ladies and gentlemen. For our loyal listeners, you know that these commercial breaks are few and far between. There's only one per episode and it only lasts about 30 seconds. So don't go anywhere. When we come back with Beth, uh, we're going to talk more about her book Outsmart Your Instincts after this word from me. <coughs>
2: our executive peer group.
1: Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, uh, Richard Frenzy. That's right. All of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on our show. You know, since 2009, when we started our show, we've reached several hundred thousand listeners through our live stream here on octalkradio.net and our podcasts, which are available on all the ones I said above. Simply type in Critical Mass Radio Show in your favorite podcasting software to find our weekly shows i'd like to return to talking to author beth stores about her book outsmart your instincts beth if you had any advice to give to a ceo or a business executive who is planning to write a book and get it published you know what what advice would you give to them
0: don't do it alone get some help um, so this was a collaborative effort, which was fantastic. And I don't, I don't mean that you have to have a co-author. I mean it was fantastic that the three of us were able to work together and um, be co-authors on the book. But, but we did get input from other people. We, we, we had a little session with some folks from our company um, to explain, you know, what this was going to be all about and get their input and thoughts on some things that we could include in the book that maybe we hadn't thought of. The other thing is definitely get somebody else to read it um, because you have, you have so much knowledge about your topic and that's, that's the curse of knowledge it could turn into the curse of knowledge where you think you're, you're being clear and you're explaining something but you just know too much about it so having somebody who maybe isn't as knowledgeable as you go through it and give you their thoughts on where you might be um, you know, grazing over something um, is really really helpful And then I think deciding on, you know, a a publisher that's really going to work with you, Um, we talked to three different publishers, um, and we landed on Greenleaf, and it was such a great experience. So you just really want to make sure that you have really good conversations with your potential publishers before um, moving forward.
1: Wow. I'd uh, I'd ask our engineer to ring the gong so that people know, because loyal listeners here on Critical Mass Radio Show know that when they hear the gong, if they're listening to the podcast and maybe they weren't totally engaged in the last couple of, you know, 30 seconds or so, they can spin it back and pick that up because uh, those nuggets that you just gave, Beth, are priceless. Thank you for sharing your experience as a published author. My pleasure. So can you tell us, you know, through the process with your co-authors of writing this book, what was there anything that the three of you learned about practical ways to turn naysayers into innovators that you guys... Didn't know prior to writing the book?
0: So I wouldn't say that it's something that we didn't know prior to writing the book, but it really crystallized on how clear the cognitive biases tie to naysayers and helping them become innovators. So um, I talked a lot about negativity of bias already, so I don't think I need to cover that again other than to say – if you have a naysayer and they're saying yes but, ask, ask them what they're, what they're for. Ask them what they like about the idea and then ask them what they wish for to make it better because then you can sort of push them to be more of a problem solver and less of a naysayer. I think the other thing is um, confirmation bias. Um, it, people tend to look for... Information that will support what they already think they should be doing, and then they are less open to the ideas of others, which will then result in them being a naysayer to other people's ideas. So, um, helping folks see things from another perspective, Um, bringing in other people that they might not necessarily be exposed to, like their customer, for example, or doing role-play exercises um, where you put on a totally different hat and come at the problem from a different perspective can really help people see things through a different lens and then be less of a naysayer. So I wouldn't say that it's something that was um, came up new while we were writing the book, but it did all crystallize how tightly this is really tied to cognitive biases.
1: So, So you've given us two of the cognitive biases that are in your book. Um, we have a few minutes left here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Beth, of, of the other six, are there are there any other points that you would like to make that I didn't ask you here that would help our audience of CEOs and business owners to understand this? Yeah, material?
0: yeah. Status quo bias. Um, status quo bias is, I'd say, one of the other really big ones. And what happens is Whatever the status quo is never gets evaluated with as much scrutiny as other new ideas. So you have what you're doing, oh, wow. and then someone comes up with a new idea and another new idea, and those new ideas go through the mill with people, you know, shooting them down or trying to figure out what's wrong. And then, but nobody does that with the current status quo. Mm. So it sort of skates by, and then if the other ones get shot down, then you're stuck with the status quo. So you really want to make sure that when you're evaluating ideas, you're evaluating the status quo with as much scrutiny as um, as the others. Uh-huh. And then there are, um, you know, different exercises that can really help to break out of the status quo. Um, one of my favorites is in, in the book, it's an exercise called Dream, um, where you write down You you think about whatever the current situation is, and then you write down anything that you would delete from that, just take away completely, anything that you might reduce, which is just dial it down a little bit, enhance, something that you might dial up a little bit, Mm -hmm. add, just completely add something to it, or maintain, because there's parts of the status quo that are working and, you know, really make sense, kind of like table stakes, and doing that exercise can really help shift Um, the team to some new thinking
1: well i I love first of all i love exercises and techniques that are uh, into an acronym that make it easier to remember so dream is is a great one but i also love a book that has practical exercises and information that small and middle market business executives can implement because i'm always looking for books that if you spend the time to read it you can actually implement the material as you're reading it and certainly afterwards and it sounds like outsmart your instincts is exactly that type of a book so if anybody in our audience is compelled to want to buy your book and read it where would you suggest they go beth
0: well first thank you so much for saying that i really appreciate it that was definitely our goal Um so we are uh the book is available on amazon.com and um if you're interested in hearing more about see hearing more of our content we've got a bunch of uh, additional content up on ideas to go.com
1: and that's the website ideas to go and where are you located Beth
0: We have three offices. Our headquarters is in Minneapolis, and we have another office in Morristown, New Jersey, which is where I'm from, and another office in uh, Orlando, Florida, Uh as well as um, a satellite office in Dallas, and there's other employees kind of all over the
1: country. Okay, so if someone is not in one of those places, they, they could still engage your firm potentially for a consulting agreement?
0: Absolutely. Um, so we've got three facilities in each of those markets, but we work anywhere and we also work globally as well. So depending on the needs of the client, we either have them in our home or we go to where they want to go.
1: So I don't know what's your cadence for your next book, but, um, it's been my experience that after the author writes their first book, they get the bug and there are other books that they can create. So if you and your co-authors come out with a follow-on book to outsmart your instincts or a new book on new content, please keep Critical Mass Radio Show in mind. We'd love to have you back on the show, Beth.
0: Thank you so much. We definitely have gotten have been bitten by the bug, so okay. I will t- definitely take you up on that, Richard. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. I, lo-
1: I love the work you're doing. I I, uh, I think it is. it makes practical sense, and it is these cognitive biases. Once you have an understanding of what they are, you can begin to recognize them in your everyday life, which is the first step towards helping to reduce their influence over your decision-making. And so thank you for that. Thank you. All right. right, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to thank our engineer, who's none other than the station owner. We're lucky today to have him be our engineer. He he is Paul Roberts. Our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. I'm your host, Richard Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about this radio show and podcast or my firm and the CEO peer groups that I lead, then visit criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.